0: Well, good morning. It's great to have you here at church with us again this Sunday morning. Let me add to Lauren's welcome. We are here for our first of next uh, four Sundays of doing Stories of Hope. I'm going to be sitting down with uh, someone different every week, um, and we're going to be hearing different people's stories, uh, their their journey of faith and some really encouraging parts of their journey. of their walk and I want to share as we um, jump into this series um, from Romans 4 verse 17 and 18 which says this it says that is what the Scripture Scripture means when God told him I have made you the father of many nations this happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life who creates new things out of nothing even though there was no reason for hope Abraham kept hoping believing that he would come become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. Of course, this is referring back to Abraham and Sarah. And Abraham and Sarah were way past the age of bearing children. It was beyond hope for them. And and they were laughed at and they were in fact laughing at themselves and giving God no chance of doing any miracle in their life. But because God said something, Abraham and Sarah had a an inkling, a tiny bit of hope. They, they held on to what God's promises were. And we hold on to, to God's word and his promises in our life. And this is what hope is. This is what Christian hope is. It's believing for new things out of nothing. It's not ignoring reality, but believing that there is more to come. It's looking at a newly sealed tomb and saying, the story's not over yet. And I want to encourage you as we hear stories over the next few weeks that your story's not over that God wants to do a miracle in your life. God wants to continue to move in your life. And maybe there's promises of God or things that you've, that you've known God uh, was going to do in your life. But I want to tell you to, to continue to hang on to them, to continue to hold on to hope. We're going to hear some stories of hope over these next few weeks and of God working, of God speaking, of God moving in the lives of people in our very own church. And I want you to be encouraged, to be inspired and to be challenged to hold on to hope. This morning, I've got Sandy Kersman with me, uh, and Sandy's been a part of our church for the last number of years, and she's got an incredible story of, um, of God moving in her life. And I want to start by asking um, you, Sandy, this, that um, you first started to encounter God on an aeroplane trip from New Zealand to Australia uh, when your daughter was six, and it was through maybe an unexpected um, tool that God used. Can you tell me a bit about yeah,
1: what Yeah, so just to recap on that, um, my husband had died and so um, when I went back to work they said that I had no work for me in New Zealand so they asked me if I'd come to Australia and be a hygiene specialist over here and so after talking to my other children and um, a lot of toing and throwing, I finally decided I would come over. And I brought my youngest daughter, who was then six, um, over with me. And we hopped on a plane. And on the seat of my, uh, where I was supposed to sit was a Bible. Yeah, right. And um, I looked at the Bible and thought, tried to wave down the attendant, and say, you know, this Bible's been left on the plane. And she kept on fobbing me off and saying that she was too busy. Could I just put it in the front of my seat? So I put it in the pocket of my seat. And um, we were only halfway through the flight. And I kept on looking at it and looking at it. And it was, it was like it was calling to me. But um, I kept on saying, no, oh, I'm not touching it. <laughs> But in the end, I I opened it, and it opened at a story called Ruth. And it's an amazing story of love and um, just a nice story. I think if it had opened it up at any other story, I probably would have thrown it down the other end of the plane. (laughs) But at that time, it was, yeah, a really nice love story and and a story that maybe you could see a future with. Um, so that's how it started, and yeah, it just keeps going.
0: That wasn't the only experience you had with a, no, a Gideon's Bible. No. God had a way of...
1: Yeah, he kept on. Yeah. Um, he kept on having, prodding me. Um, so that was the first Bible, and I left it back on the plane. The, the attendant never grabbed that Bible, um, so it stayed on the plane. Yep. Um, and then I went to the motel that night. And of course there was a Bible in the side um, bedside table. And I opened it again and I read Ruth again. And I think I read Ruth about five times. Um, Still not grasping what God was trying to tell me, but yeah, at that time. Um, And then we went on, we were supposed to go on holiday in Brisbane and have a week's holiday um, up at the Gold Coast doing the theme parks, etc. That'd, that'd be
0: nice at the moment. Yeah.
1: The second day we were there, I ended up breaking my ankle and ended up in hospital. And of course, there was a Bible in the drawer. Again. <laughs> again. And again, I read Ruth. <laughs> Amazing. I don't know how many times. It was just, yeah, constantly prodding me.
0: Yeah. And so you began to encounter God and through his word... But um, why was this such a, uh, an amazing thing in your life? You know, I remember talking to you about this earlier, um, that, that you would have been completely against the idea of God and, and reading the Bible and yes. anything like this. So okay. tell us a little bit about um, so, growing up and, and what got you to that point.
1: Okay, so I grew up in a, uh, with a, my parents. My mother was a staunch Catholic and my father was an atheist who was an alcoholic as well. So I grew up in a very turmoil um, family, um, which you can't even call it a family because it was so disunited. Um, my father was abusive. Um, my mother was so heavily religious wasn't an encounter with God, it was very much religion, um, that it was just impossible to know what was right and what was wrong. Mm. And to me, um, the Bible, God, church, anything like that was, I just didn't want to know about it because it was just bad experiences after bad experiences that I'd had right through my childhood. Yep. To the stage where... Um, I'd run away from home several times after being beaten up by my father. My mother was constantly beaten up. It was just a regular occurrence. I used to hide my brother in the wardrobe to stop him from getting hurt. Um, And I ran away quite a few times. Um, And then after I ran away, I, I, I kept myself on the streets. So I became a street kid. Um, This was at the age of 12. Um, So I lived under a school (laughs) of all places. It was a primary school. Um, And I used to steal clothing off washing lines. I used to get into people's houses and steal food. That's how I survived. Mm. Um, And then one day the the police picked me up and I was um, taken to court because I'd been caught Um, entering somebody's home and uh, the judge turned around to my parents, my parents were present and my parents turned around and they said they didn't want me. Mm. So it was just one thing after another after another. Um, So I was sent to a girl's home um, and that was the most brutal part of it all because I just jumped out of the fire into the frying pan. It was a terrible place. Uh, It was called Bollard, um, and it was a girl's prison, basically. And I was the only white girl in there. So they were all Marys, all Islanders, big girls, and the only um, form of, uh, what do you call it, Um, physical exercise was a game called bull Rush. Yeah, right. Now, I don't know what you call bull Rush here. It's, um, um. it's where somebody stands in the middle, they call people, they have to tackle them yep. to get to the other side. Yeah. They know. would wait until everybody was in the middle and then they'd call me last. And I just... I became tough, really tough. I had to look after myself, so there was no other way. Yep.
0: So I imagine growing up with, with parents like that in that um, especially with the religious sort of part of it, it would have been a big turn off yes. for Christianity and anything to do with God anything anything to do with, to do with church with anything to And do my with that.
1: brother's still like that today Yeah still will not have anything to do with any religion, with any church with anybody, even though we know it's a relationship now yeah, um, yeah my brother still will not yeah. not have anything to do with it.
0: And so when you finished your time at the girls' home, did life get better?
1: No. <laughs> I wish it did. Um, no, so once I got out of the girls' home, my, I went back to my parents. My mother picked me up, and this was on a Friday. She picked me up, and she dumped me outside the church and said, you're going on a school camp, um, um, a church camp. And so I went on this church camp and I hated everyone by this time. I couldn't trust anyone. I had, I hated everyone. You know, if they looked sideways at me, I wanted to punch them out. Mm. You know, I would just become that sort of person. Um, and, yeah, I went to this church camp. I met this guy who gave me a cigarette. And I thought, for once, somebody's been nice. Mm. And uh, he turned out to be... I ended up... Um, getting involved with him and I ended up pregnant and my parents made me marry him. Okay. Uh, he was Catholic, he was allowed to marry me, um, but he turned out to be 10 times worse and knocked all my front teeth out, broke my jaw. Um, yeah, tried to kill me with a phone cord. <laughs> um, yeah, so that was pretty bad and it took me a while to run away from him as well. So. Um, Yeah, I took my daughter at that age, um, who was only two, um, and ran, and kept running. Um, Six years later I met um, a man that was very kind, gentle, not pushy, um, and I lived with him for another six years, and then after that six years I ended up marrying him. Um, And life started to turn around. I started to become who I wanted to become, a different sort of person, a good person. Um, And then six years later, he died of a heart attack. Suddenly, I had a 16-year-old, which was the little one that I'd um, taken away from that first marriage. Um, And I had three others in the house, plus two foster children, plus two children from his first marriage. So it was like the Brady Bunch. Um, And it was really hard. Yeah. Yeah. This guy that the only person I trusted in the world was just ripped away. Just like that.
0: So imagine when you get to a point like that in your life, um, you don't want to turn towards God. God or... I hated any, God. Yeah, you'd blame everything.
1: I blamed him for everything. Yeah. And I blamed him for taking the only one person mm. that I had in my life that I could trust. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So since that moment, how how has encountering God and um, walking with him yeah. changed your life? So how two, it, two years
1: after his death is when I jumped on the plane mm-hmm. and that's when he started to call me. Mm. And I didn't realise this that then, that's what was happening, but yeah, I realise it now. Um, And since that time, um, so I hopped on the plane, I I kept on encountering the Bible and kept on reading. Then I ended up in a place called Timboon in the Western Districts. Um, That's where my company had sent me to. And right next door, there was a Christian man from New Zealand. So same area from where I was living. And it was my youngest daughter, that six-year-old, turned around and made friends with his daughter and went to church with them on a Sunday. I didn't go. I said, yeah, you can go, but you yeah, don't invite me. Anyway, he kept on prodding me and saying, why don't you come? Why don't you come? It's not as bad as you think. Uh, nah, no. Nah. Well, I'm not going. (laughs) It took me probably uh, six weeks of him constantly badgering me to go to church. And I finally went, put my hands up one day and said, oh, fine, okay, I'll go. Uh, Walked into this little church in Cobden, um, which you wouldn't even have called a little church. You know, it was just a little building, had nothing... It wasn't like with a church steeple or any of those things that I had imagined churches to be like. Mm -hmm. Um, Walked in, and they were singing worship songs. It was just a little apostolic church, and probably about 20 people at the most. And I found God, and I cried, and I cried, and I cried for about six weeks Mm -hmm. nonstop. And from there, I was just fed constantly. Yeah. And within three months, I had given my life to the Lord.
0: And what's been the biggest change in your life from?
1: From the time that I've met God. Yeah. Total restoration. Yeah. So from there, from losing my husband, losing my children, they had all just, dis- you know, gone in different directions. The only one was, you know, Ashley, who i kept with me. Who was too young to go anywhere else anyway. But yeah, so I'd lost all family. I'd lost a home, somewhere to live. I'd lost my husband. And since I um, became a Christian, God restored me with a lovely man, a new husband, who has been absolutely so good to me Um, and is how a husband should be. (laughs) <laughs> now that I know that
0: yeah. shout out to David <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah but um, then we had another daughter so we have more family yeah. um, a new home he has given me the world mm. he has just shown me what can be yeah. which is totally what I'd, I would never imagined could ever happen even if I tried to do it myself
0: so the anger that you felt when you were a child and um, growing through your teenage years, he's restored and, and taken all that. Yep. And turned it around.
1: Totally. Um, that first six weeks of meeting God, it was like, you know how I said, I was crying the whole time. I think I was going through the grieving of my whole life and how it had it been and the first time I'd felt love. Oh.
0: It's incredible, an incredible story. And even this year, um, is there something that that God has been doing in your life um, through this pandemic, through this crazy year that we're experiencing that um, you'd like to encourage us with?
1: Yeah, okay, so the company that actually brought me over here that I'd been with for 35 years um, made me redundant (laughs) and um, only three, four months ago. And um, I was totally lost. I was thinking, I've done this job for so long. I have, um, I don't know anything else. Where, where am I going to go? I'm in a small town down here now. Um, where am I going to find a job? How am I going to to survive? And um, I just, kept on looking at my husband and saying okay, we just have to rely on God and you know, he's he's here for me now, I can do that and that's what we did and he restored me with a new job locally mm-hmm. um, and I think it's actually a better job <laughs> finally, it's actually a better job than what I had
0: Yeah.
1: so yeah, cool. especially today in this you know, COVID world
0: yeah, yeah well, what an incredible story and an and incredible encouragement to, to hear how God has been at work since you were young.
1: Since Yeah, he um, had a hand on me right from the start.
0: Yeah, even right up until today um, mm-hmm. and this year. Um, God has continued to work in your life. And I really want to thank you for sharing his story and encouraging us with it um, today. I'm sure there's so many people that are uh, encouraged by that and, and want to thank you as well. So... Um, Thanks again so much for joining us this morning and for hearing this story, and I pray that it does encourage you. Um, If you've got a story or a testimony that you'd love to give, we'd love to to hear it as well, and please get in touch with us and and let us know. Um, There's something powerful when we share our stories and and share our testimonies of of the way that God has been at work in our life, and I encourage you to to share your story with your small groups, with your families, with your friends, whoever uh, you can, because it's those stories of hope that really have the ability to change lives and and to to point people towards Jesus and his good work in our life. So thanks for joining us and I encourage you to stick around. We're going to join in with our Zoom after party right now.